that in order to meet this moment, we have to recognize our California comeback. I think in my time, this is a very unusual and a very unique time. What I'm saying about the state today, it's an enterprising, modernizing, pluralizing, unionizing nation state. Here's the question. Is California moving too quickly to reopen after the coronavirus shutdown? I'm Gil Duran, California Opinion Editor at the Sacramento Bee. And in this episode of California Nation, I'll talk to an epidemiologist, a state senator, and a local mayor who all question Governor Newsom's shifting strategy on COVID-19. Governor Newsom drew praise in March for enacting the first statewide stay-at-home order in the nation. It probably saved thousands of lives. But Newsom has suddenly changed course, and he now appears to be in a rush to reopen, but he hasn't really explained why. He seems eager to announce good news, but some question whether the sudden reopening plan is wise. Last week, Dr. Sarah Cody of Santa Clara County questioned Newsom's approach. Cody, who's credited as the architect of the Bay Area's early and aggressive stay-at-home order, called the state's rapidly shifting approach concerning. And she essentially said that California has now decided to fly blind, which could result in a dangerous surge in coronavirus infections. And Dr. Cody is far from being the only person who's concerned. Dr. Lisa Barcelos is a UC Berkeley epidemiologist who said it will be a while before we can feel safe. She's working on a big project to test and track coronavirus victims in the Bay Area. I read about her project in the New York Times, and I decided to give her a call. Here's part of our conversation. I think the most important thing to understand is that there really is no safe way for us to reopen without testing and without tracing until we have some sort of vaccine in place, an effective vaccination option, which is not currently available. And so we also do not have really any true medications that um, would help us feel really confident about if we did get sick, there might be some very effective treatments. I think all of those things are in progress. I think with some optimism, we will have hopefully both a vaccine and uh, potential treatment options. But in order to be able to get back to some kind of regular way of living uh, pre-COVID-19, we have to be able to do testing, large-scale testing, regular testing. You can be positive for the virus today, um, but not yesterday. So um, you can be negative for the virus tomorrow, but the day after you could be positive. So it has to be a really systematic, uh, large surveillance type testing that's done on a regular basis in routine areas um, such that we actually have a picture of what's happening at all times. So that's a very different thing than people driving to a a drive up facility and getting tested because they initiate it. It actually has to be a public health approach to regular systematic testing, large scale, um, routine, regular intervals, all of that. And the data generated quickly and looked at um, repeatedly. And then when you find individuals who are positive, um, that's where the contact tracing comes into place because you need to really pounce on that and find out, okay, we've got somebody who is positive. Who did that person interact with? Certainly if they're positive, they are contagious. There are no doubts about that. So finding out every potential person that they interacted with um, is really critical. And then follow, it's very labor intensive. Follow up, 
with those individuals, um, checking them for symptoms, having them self-quarantine, even testing them if the resources, you know, are, are available. You know, if it's been five days plus, it's possible that they could, they could be um, positive. So, you know, you know, those days vary depending on, you know, which sources you look at, but certainly we do have, we do, do have an understanding of the window. So find them quickly, have them self-quarantined. That's absolutely the first thing uh, that needs to be done. What do you think it's important for people to think about before they decide whether it's safe for them to go get a haircut or go to the mall? What do you think people who are still concerned need to keep in mind before they decide whether being a part of this first wave of resuming normalcy is right for them? (laughs) Oh, it's a really great question. So first of all, before you even consider what you would want to do, you have to look at your own health and risk factors that you have as an individual. So your age, pre-existing conditions, um, things like that, if you have any kind of immune um, compromised con- conditions that make you immune compromised or other conditions, and there have been many chronic conditions, things like that, that put you at risk. Um, I would evaluate all of those at an individual level because certainly my dear elderly neighbors um, are very concerned about being out and about versus somebody who might be in their 20s or 30s really healthy. It doesn't mean that there can't be um, risks for those individuals, even if they're very healthy. But we know, at least with the data that we, that we have available to us, that certainly if you're elderly and you have pre-existing health conditions, you have to look at that first. So once you look at that, then I guess um, what I would be really concerned about would be uh, going into places where you don't really need to be, even though we all want to be back in bars and restaurants, um, there is really um, a high level of potential exposure in those settings versus being out and kicking a soccer ball where you could actually uh, implement some pretty good safety measures um, in the outdoors right now. You know, you be very careful about hand washing. If you're really close to one another, I mean, you can certainly throw a ball around, but if you're certainly if you're close to one another in a contact sport, you could act, you could wear a mask, which would be great. Um, otherwise, you can distance and really take precautions that would mean um, hand washing and sanitizing the balls and things like that, which are pretty easy to do. Um, and I say that as a parent because there are certain things that I feel like would be fine for my um, kids to be doing um, versus being in a restaurant or being somewhere where. By, de- by definition, you cannot wear a mask and you're closely um, spaced with somebody else. And, you know, the data suggests that this virus is extremely contagious, can be transmitted even through conversation in close proximity. Um, so w- situations where you're going to be near one another, masks are essential. So I think getting out there is inevitable. I think visiting physicians, dentists, all of the key things that people need to be doing, um, those kinds of um, organizations are taking full precautions and have procedures in place now. If you're going to the dentist, it's a very different experience, but going to the dentist is, is necessary for health. Um, if you're going to the dermatologist, any other physician, um, going to, to um, retail stores, grocery stores, all of those things, um, those are things that we need to do to get back to some kind of regular life. But we have to be able to um, exercise caution, wear masks, 
distance, distance, and it's possible in those settings. So it's really some of these other activities that we see that we're concerned about, which involve close proximity, restaurants, crowds, shoulder-to-shoulder uh, -shoulder in a swimming pool, shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder on a beach. Um, those aren't good ideas based on what we know about this virus. And I think what people need to do is, as I said, evaluate your own risk factors and then decide, okay, what am I willing, willing to, um, to risk when I go out? And at least for me, um, there are certain things that I wouldn't try to do now, um, but there are many things that I would. And, you know, socializing at a distance um, is absolutely possible. Um, and certainly all the other services and retail and things like that. Big concerts, big sporting events, restaurants, anything that puts you right next to a lot of different people, not a good idea right now. Not until we have a vaccine. It's not just doctors and epidemiologists who question Newsom's sudden shift in strategy. Steve Glazer is a Democratic state senator from Orinda, and he's a former advisor to Governor Jerry Brown. Glazer made it clear to me that he had no desire to fight with the Newsom administration at all, but he expressed serious concerns about whether California has the testing and tracking capabilities it needs to safely reopen. He said he had three main areas of concern, and he isn't getting any answers from the governor's office. He sounded worried. Here's part of our conversation. Tell me a little bit about why you think this might be happening too fast. Three, three key issues. One, there are data blind spots. Uh, two, uh, the concern about the elderly and those with compromised immune systems under the reopening. And three, um, the lack of metrics and transparency uh, about how uh, the governor will uh, react to infection uh, increases. You mean a question about whether we attempt to do a lockdown again or whether we yeah. try a different strategy that we haven't yeah, talked so, about yet? Well, and we can get into this, but... Uh, there's no doubt in my mind that the infection rate and the hospitalization rates are going to go up. So at what point uh, does it, uh, what, what model is he using to determine that it's gone up too high and therefore uh, we have to uh, ratchet it down again? Do you think it'll be hard to ratchet it down again once we've kind of relaxed these, these measures? And to right. be frank, once people see that, hey, if we go and protest or make a public spectacle, then it seems like the rules change and we get our way. Right. So I, uh, there is great vulnerability on that score, in my opinion, and that the, the, the one of the, the ways to try to counter that feeling is to have clear, transparent metrics for how those choices are going to be made. <clears throat> you know, I think that Gavin did a good job of defining data and, uh, and health as the driver behind the decisions that he has made, and I applaud him for that. And I believe that that still needs to remain in place going forward. So um, the blind spots uh, that I think are very apparent uh, as he reopens are become concerns because I want the data to, to, to I want the data to demonstrate the, the, the thoughtfulness of the choice, and there is and they're missing some significant data. And I can go into that if you want. Sure. Um, so, uh, if, if uh, uh, what is the infection rate in California today? Let's talk about the basic questions. Uh, there's three of them. What's the infection rate? How has it changed over time? And who is getting infected where? 
so that we can do a better job of preventing that. Those are three basic questions, right? We have no data on any of those answers to any of those questions. We have no data on uh, the infection rate. We have no baseline to judge change in the infection rate based on our shelter in place that's currently in place. We do know, however, hospitalizations are at a plateau and they're not, we've not flattened the curve, we've bent the curve and now we're at a plateau. 44 to 4,700 hospitalizations uh, in California over the last five, six weeks, uh, even under shelter in place. And we have uh, no way to know where people are getting infected. No data. So those are three basic questions, all blind spots. Um, so, it's like you running a campaign and saying, I don't need to do a poll. I'll just mm -hmm. take the people that go to my Facebook page. Let's just ask them what they think the issues of the day are. Who would ever go into an election and not have a baseline on how people feel about you, about the issues of the day? Right? Who would ever do that? But that's what we're doing in California. We have no baseline of data. I've seen a couple of people do that, and it usually doesn't end well. Yeah. So if there's no data, then this is not a scientific decision. You think it's based on politics. Can you explain to me more the thinking? Well, uh, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to – I don't want to characterize – I'm not, I'm not, I'm, my, my goal in the questions, Gil, is it's meant to be very, it's meant to be constructive mm -hmm. and um, to, uh, to lay out questions that I've been asking internally for many weeks okay. and uh, have not gotten any answers on. And it was as he has escalated his, his, you know, reopening that has made me make the difficult choice. Because, you know, I, 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 I don't want to be at odds with the administration. I think he's in many ways doing a very good job. But these are significant questions that I feel that are have made me go ahead and release them out loud, right? Senator Glazer isn't the only California Democrat who's worried. Just over the Tower Bridge from the state capitol in West Sacramento, Mayor Chris Cabaldon is extremely concerned. Last week, he said Yellow County's plans to reopen presented a clear danger to his city, which has nearly half of the county's infections. And the mayor expressed worry that some politicians maybe responding to political pressure instead of science in their rush to get the economy up and running again. Part of the reason why the, why the governor announced all of those metrics and, and roadmaps and everything else before and why we've embraced them is that they, they force you to make the right decisions when it's the hardest to do so. Like it was totally predictable that we would reach a point where we'd have loud cries from, from some folks saying, open everything right now, and equally loud cries from others saying, never reopen. I know I'm never going to feel safe. Um, uh, you don't leave the kind of choices to the moment in, but for a politician to make. That's why, we, that's why we laid out those scientific metrics in advance. And it's important that we follow them and that we follow the spirit of them and not simply say, okay, well, we, we, don't, we have, we, yeah, we, our hospitalization's been increasing. But if you account for the fact that those hospitalizations were on AstroTurf and wind assisted under, and under lights, then maybe they don't count. And, and we're kind of, I can, you can definitely feel a lot of decision makers trying to figure out how can I, how can I relook at these same indicators and metrics and numbers in a way that will allow me to open up as much as I can, as fast as I can. That's human nature, but in this kind of a situation, it's also potentially very dangerous. So back to our question, is California reopening too quickly after a two-month COVID-19 shutdown? It's pretty clear that some smart people have serious disagreements with Governor Newsom over this strategy. The COVID-19 threat remains a grave danger, but we're going to reopen anyway, seems to be what the governor's saying. And maybe that makes some sense, because we can't keep the economy closed forever, 
and we have no ability to completely contain the virus. We can only slow its spread. Last week, Dr. Mark Ghali, California's Director of Health and Human Services, told me that there's no doubt California will see an increase in infections. But he said the state currently has the capacity to handle them. And that was the whole point of us staying home for two months to flatten the curve and make sure our hospitals didn't get overwhelmed with coronavirus victims. But Newsom hasn't given a clear public rationale for this shift in strategy. It's not clear to us whether he's following the science or whether he's bowing down to pressure from these small protest groups that sprang up to support President Trump's demand to reopen the economy and die for the Dow. Whatever the case is, the situation is the same. California is now in the middle of a big experiment, and every Californian has to decide whether to take the risk of going out or to stay at home to hopefully avoid the disease. This is a really big bet by Newsom, and the stakes are life and death. Over the next few weeks, we'll find out whether this decision to reopen California and delegate authority down to the counties was a smart policy or a fatal mistake. Until then, please wash your hands, wear a mask, stay home, and stay alive. This is Gil Duran for California Nation. Thanks for listening.